Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. Matthew chapter number 5, and let's get verse number 17. The first point I'd like to make tonight is that Jesus kept 100% of the law. Not 99.9, not 99.9 and a half. It's 100% of the law, 100% of the time. And that's the first point. In Matthew 5, verse 17, the Bible simply says, and uh, think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle shall no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them the same shall be called great. In the kingdom of heaven. We're not going to key in on verse 19. But Jesus came not to destroy. But to fulfill the law. He kept it 100%. Um, go over to John chapter 8. John 8. John 8 verse number 28. Then Jesus said to them, when ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. We see, first off, uh, that Jesus Christ is God. Okay, we saw that in verse 28 and verse 29. And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. He was a hundred percent perfect law abiding God. Always pleasing the Father. You and I, not so much. Jesus Christ, God manifest in a body of flesh, God the Son, always, always, always pleasing the Father. So that's why Jesus Christ came. Uh, well, he kept the law 100%. And number two, uh, concerning Jesus Christ and the law, is that he put authority back into the law. The religious leaders, they watered down the law. It's almost like that was their uh, whole entire motive. And they did that. They would, they would add tradition. And anytime you add tradition to the Bible, and when I say tradition, I don't mean things that we do repetitively that would become a tradition that don't go against the Bible, but line up with the Bible. I'm not talking about that. I think we've gone over that before. Um, different churches have different traditions that, and those traditions aren't trying to trump the Bible. It's just, well, when do you do Lord's Supper? Well, traditionally, we do it on the last Sunday of the month. Well, when do you do Lord's Supper? Well, traditionally, we do it the first Sunday of the month. When do you... 
none of that goes against the Bible. Okay, you see what I'm saying? I'm talking about traditions that people bring into Christianity that try to trump God's word. And that's what the Pharisees did. And so when you do that, basically you make yourself the authority or your group the authority. And as long as Jesus Christ lines up with you, we're good. But that's not the way biblical Christianity works. So Jesus came and he had to put authority back into the law and get uh, Luke chapter number 10. We'll take a look here in Luke 10. Look at verse number 25. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up. You know how to argue good. You should be a lawyer. <laughs> but you're no match for Jesus. And tempted him, saying, well, that's a bad place to start. Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said unto him, what is written in the law? How readest thou? It's a lawyer. He knows the law. He knows how to argue. And he answered, said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. But he, meaning the lawyer, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Number one, every sinner will justify themselves. Every single one. Because that's what the sinful nature of man does. They're confronted with biblical truth, and the first thing they will do is get defensive and justify who they are before you and before God. And so we see that here. Don't lose that principle when you're when you're witnessing to a lost person. And by default, when we justify ourselves, we, we always pervert the meaning of the law. For example, you say to somebody, have you ever told a lie? Well, you know, if you're lying to help somebody, I mean, is it really lying? You see, they'll, they'll pervert the law as a means to make themselves look better. And what men try to do is they try to bring the law down to their standard because they can't live up to God's standard. <laughs> and that's so much mankind. Now look at verse number 30. And Jesus answering said, a certain man, a, a certain man went down from Jerusalem. Jerusalem's the city of God to Jericho. Jericho, you could say, represents the world. We're in Luke chapter number 10. And we are on the next verse, 30, Jerusalem, Jericho, and watch. This certain man fell among thieves. Now, if you've got Jerusalem, the city of God, if you've got Jericho represents the world, what does the certain man represent? All of humanity. And fell among thieves, but stripped, stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And man, humanity, has fallen off the road. <laughs> and they've fallen into sin and they're left naked. They're left 
uh, without raiment. They're left wounded. They're, they're, they're left departed. And they're half dead. As a matter of fact, we're at enmity with God. We're dead in, our, we're dead in trespasses and sin. That's, that's mankind. Verse 31, by chance, there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite. When he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. Now, the failure here of the Levite, failure here by the priest, shows the inability of the law to save anybody. That's what they wanted. That's why they want to live by the law, and the law can not save. Verse number 33. But a certain Samaritan, it's a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. You know where Jesus went? Where the lost people were. <laughs> where the down and out were. And you know what couldn't save that man? The 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 Pharisee, the 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 law the lawyer, the priest. The law couldn't save that man, but Jesus Christ could. And he goes where the sinner is. And if you're worried about anybody having compassion on you, let me just tell you tonight, Jesus Christ has compassion for all of his creation. And he's the only one that can and wants to save you. Verse 34. And went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine and set him on his own beast and brought him to an end. And took care of him. You could say the end's a type of church. Where do you, where do saints go to get care and help? Yeah, you're around God's people. The world beats you up all week. You come into the church house. You're supposed to get some help. You're supposed to get some help. You're supposed to care for each other. You're supposed to have compassion because the Savior has compassion and had compassion on us when He saved us. Uh, verse 35, on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said to him, take care of him. Whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him and fell among the thieves. And he said, he that showed mercy on him, then said Jesus unto him, go and do thou likewise. Who's your neighbor? Anyone regardless of rank, anyone regardless of race, anyone regardless of religion, go tell it to your neighbor. Well, he's not the same skin color. He's your neighbor. Well, he's not the same religion. He's your neighbor. Well, he's not the same social rank as I am. Go tell it to his neighbor. Do you see the problem this lawyer had? He thought something about the law and Jesus is pointing out to him. Let me help you. You don't love your neighbor as much as you think you do. 
there are two kinds of compassion. There are two kinds of holiness. There are two, two kinds of living, if you will. Uh, one would be fake. One would be genuine. Okay. One 100% USDA grade A steak. You know, you don't want to go to the big steakhouse and get something they'd sent, they'd, they'd serve you at McDonald's. Do you? No, you want the real thing. And you know what people want today? Same thing they've always wanted, some authenticity, some genuine compassion, where you're bestowing that compassion on somebody not to get anything in return. It's just that you want to show a reflection of your Savior who has been so compassionate to you. Does that make sense? So Jesus put authority back into the law and he showed all these religious leaders they weren't as much of hot stuff as they thought they were. All right, Galatians 4. Third thing we're going to look at is Jesus was made under the law. Jesus was made under the law. Galatians chapter Number four. This should be somewhat fresh in your mind. We finished up Galatians last year. <laughs> a couple hours into the new year. Galatians four, verse four. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman. Now that's odd. That's odd. When you when you had your baby, ladies, did you go around town telling everybody, yeah, my my son, my daughter was made of a woman? <laughs> Fathers, when your wife gave birth, did you go around town saying to people, My my son or my they were made of a woman? <laughs> that would be kind of odd. Nobody would do that. And you would get some rather strange looks because you wouldn't need to say that of your child. I'm telling you, these Bible critics that want to say, well, you see, Jesus was made. No, the Bible says made of a woman. That was the first time that that had happened. Jesus didn't start there. Jesus wasn't made. The Bible says he was made of a woman. That's his humanity that's being spoken of. It's not his starting point that's being spoken of. It's his humanity he's God and he was made of a woman then it says made under the law and our savior the Lord was made under the high standard and the absolute demand of the law who did God give the law to that's the, the Jewish people the Hebrew people and finally, finally, a Jew that could keep the law. And you know who it was? God Almighty came down to keep it. He was the law writer. He was the author. He was God himself. And he was not a hypocrite. He subjected himself the same way we would be subjected except we fail and he passes. 
He never came down to abuse his power at all. We can't say that for ourselves. One of the worst things to do is to give someone with poor character power. They'll just wreck it. They'll make a wreck of the government. They'll make a wreck of their family. They'll make, make a wreck of the community. You give somebody with poor character some power, or you vote him in, or the nation is talked into thinking that he was voted in. <laughs> well, let's just move on. He subjected himself to the same law. <laughs> and he kept it 100% of the time. He was made, the point is, Jesus was made under the law. Under the law. How many of you young ones like keeping law and rules? Just a slip of the hand would be helpful. Didn't think so. <laughs> All right, there we go. You know what? Jesus, he kept it all. He didn't have to think, well, should I or shouldn't I? He knew. He was made under the law. And you young ones, you can't keep all of mommy and daddy's rules. And you're going to get to an age where you're going to say, well, that's not in the Bible. And because you're going to try to justify yourself. That's all you're going to do. Just like the Pharisee, you're going to try to justify yourself. Why? Because you don't want to keep the law. You don't want to keep the rules. That wasn't Jesus. Jesus not one time said, well, I don't really think that's in the Bible. No, he kept it. He's made under the law and he kept it. Number four, let's get Hebrews chapter 9, if you would. Hebrews 9. Fourth thing I'd like to mention tonight is Jesus fulfilled all the figures, all the types, and all the shadows of the law. And Hebrews chapter number 9, we're going to look at that. He fulfilled all the figures, types, and shadows. Look at verse 8. Of Hebrews 9. The Holy Ghost. This signifying. That the way in the holiest of all. Was not yet made manifest. While as the first tabernacle was yet standing. Which was a figure for the time then present. And which were offered both gifts and sacrifices. It could not make him that did the service perfect. As pertaining to the conscience which stood only in meats and drinks and divers washings and carnal ordinances imposed on them until the time of reformation. But Christ being come and a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands. That is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption. For us, for if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Outward righteous acts won't do anything. For your inward righteousness that's needed. If you were a priest, the high priest back in the Old Testament, 
I can see and you could probably see and understand that those righteous acts done outwardly, you would know that that man had a fear of God and a reverence for God. I don't think anybody would question that. How's he going to get his conscience clean now? How's he going to get his inward clean? Not by the sacrifices of bulls and goats. Look at verse 23. Let's go down there. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the truth, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entereth in the holy place every year with blood of others. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. After the priests have done all of those sacrifices, year after year after year, their feet were on the same place on earth, and they weren't any closer to God. Because those sacrifices could never take away their sin. And all of this pictures the one, the only sinless, perfect sacrifice that was slain on Calvary's cross for your sin. And now you have access to God. If you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, and he will stand as your advocate. Fellas, only imagine, uh, gentlemen, if for a minute, that you have an opportunity to take a long-term missions trip, and you're going to go over somewhere in the jungles of Mongolia, and you let your wife know, and she says, well, God called you, but he didn't call me, so I'm going to stay back. And so you go. You have her blessing and you go to the jungles of Mongolia. And every night that you're gone, she has your picture right at her bedside. And she looks at that picture and she holds that picture and tear in her eye before she goes to sleep. Oh, I hope the Lord brings my husband back and these Mongolian savages don't, you know, slice his head off or something. And all you got is the picture. And month after month, you do the same thing. And then one month, he comes home. And you're so excited to see him that you say, I'm so glad you're home, honey. But you know what? I'm just going to keep the picture. Now, how ridiculous would that be? Nobody would do that. You say, what are you saying, Jim? What I'm saying is, 
That's what the Jews did. <laughs> he was the picture. He was the type. And year after year, sacrifice after sacrifice, they've got the picture right there. And behold, the Lamb of God shows up on the scene. And you know what they say? No thanks. I know you're here. I know you love me, but no thanks. I'd rather keep the picture. I'll do the sacrifice. I'll try to keep the law. Who would, what wife would say, no, I'll just keep the picture. Yes, that is exactly what the Jews did. They wanted to keep the picture and they had the real thing right there. Jesus taught them, going to the cross, going to the cross. No, you're not, Lord. You're saying, you're saying. We need to be careful that we don't know all the Old Testament types and pictures and shadows so well that we miss the true Savior. And that's what the nation did. And that is always, always what false religion does. Do this, do that, do this, do that. See, it's in the Bible. And they miss the Savior. They miss Jesus Christ. All right, fifth thing we're going to look at. Everybody knows God is a spirit. They worship him, must worship him in spirit and in truth. You all know what the word must means, right? Your parents say to you, you must clean your room now. That means there's no if, ands, or buts about it. What does Jesus say the requirement is to worship him? You must. It has to be in spirit and in truth. And do you remember when we looked at, the, we did the two lessons on the Old Testament, or, or the uh, Ten Commandments in the Old Testament, and we looked at them in the New Testament, we ran those two lessons? Jesus basically took the outward doing, and, in, and when he came, he showed the inward doing, which is what the Pharisees miss. In other words, the doing of sin is wrong, but the thinking of doing is sin is equally as wrong. You sin both ways. You're guilty if you do something sinful, but you're guilty if you long to do something sinful. Jesus helps them. To not just get the letter, but get the spirit of the law. And that's the next point I'd like to make. The fifth point is Jesus took the letter of the law. And what he did is he included the spirit. Get Matthew chapter 5, if you would. We'll all come under conviction together. Matthew chapter number 5. Verse number 43. Matthew 5, verse 43. Oh, this is. We're, we're, okay, we're going to make some application. We're not going to do a doctrinal deep dive, but make some uh, personal application. Matthew 5, verse 43. Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you. And persecute you. Okay, who wants to sign up for that ministry? <laughs> sign up sheets in the back. <laughs> what did Jesus say? 
Does somebody curse you? Does somebody hate you? Does somebody persecute you? Love them. We have trouble with a grumpy old neighbor. Anybody ever have or have currently a grumpy old neighbor? Yeah, amen. You, you're not going to reach them for the Lord by being grumpy and mean like they are. Just because someone is persecuting you, that doesn't give you the green light to persecute them. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And you know what you have to have to be able to keep this command to love your neighbor? You got to have some grace along with the truth. That's the only way. So we find out we're saved by grace. We should be gracious. But we don't have enough grace like we say we do. When it comes to dealing with people that wear the tar out of you. And that's the truth. Well, we got a neighbor. <laughs> we got a neighbor. We're out in the middle of Tennessee. We don't know anybody. 15 acres, raw land, timber all over the place. And when you as a husband say to your wife, it's okay, honey, Lord will see us through. That only goes so far when you don't have a home and you sold all your possessions. And so you go to your neighbor and you say, look, we, we really can't get electric unless you allow us to tap off your line. If you don't, we won't be able to get electric. Well, he don't let us get electric. <laughs> I said, I said, sir, I said, I, I, I said, I'm out here with my family. I said, we don't have any friends. We don't have any family. And, I want to keep these builders working. We're staying all the way in Gainesboro. And we just want to. We just want to be able to have some heat for for the little ones. You know, you give them this sympathetic story. You know, like they what they do with, you know, trying to get all this compassionate care for people that are down now. That was me. I'm trying to. He would not give an allowance for us. To run the electric from his from his house, from his home. Makes it real hard to love your neighbor. Makes it real hard. You can bake them cookies, you could do you know, do whatever you want to do, but it we finally got it from another from another neighbor and it actually worked out a little bit better. So sometimes when something's not working out, the Lord's just saying no, and you just gotta quit pressing. And as, as, as fellows, we tend to want to just take the bull by the horn and say, Lord, I got it. If it works out, then praise you. And if it doesn't work out, then curse you. <laughs> that's not the way it should be. Sometimes if something's not working out in our life and we've prayed about it, we've tried to go around it three or four different ways and it's still no. Guess what the Lord's trying to tell you? Quit. <laughs> <laughs> He's leading you somewhere else But I'm telling you It's hard to love your neighbor 1 John chapter 5 says For this is the love of God That we keep his commandments 
and his commandments are not grievous. Now, one last thing in the law was given by Moses. If you've got the law, but you've got no grace and shoes, then all you have is the law, which means you've got nothing. This is why Jesus came. He took the letter of the law, the law of Moses. He's not getting rid of it. He's fulfilling it. He's magnifying. He's saying, look, you got the law, but you need the spirit. So I'm trying to bring it all together for you, because if you just have the law, you don't have grace and truth, then you just have the law, which equals you ain't got nothing. And so now when he says in John, first uh, John 5, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. Now here's how, here's how this works. Love of God. Lord, what do I do? Love of God, what do I do? What do I do, Lord? This is the grievous. Why do I have to do that? Why do I have to do that? It's the heart motive that causes those questions to arise out. Do you love the commandments or are they just grievous? The love of God says this. Thank you, Lord, for sparing me the consequences of getting involved in that. That's the love of God. That's what the heart would say. The commandments being grievous are, well, what's wrong with doing that? How come I can't do that? Where's that in the Bible? It's the way that we approach the word of God, the way that we approach what we see in the Bible that reveals our heart. And that's one of the things, that's one of the powerful things of the law. It's a revealer. And Jesus Christ came to take the letter of the law and include the spirit. Last one, let's go to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, this will be our last point. Galatians 3. The last point is this. Christ bore the curse of the law for us. Galatians chapter number 3, look at verse number 13. Christ hath redeemed us. Are you saved tonight? You're redeemed. If you're not saved tonight, you're a servant to sin and you're condemned. But if you've trusted Christ, you're redeemed. And it says he redeemed us from the curse of the law. Being made a curse for us, for it is written, written cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. You can hang anything you want on a tree in December. But I'm telling you, there's somebody that hung on a tree and bled out for you. And you can put all the gifts that you want under a tree and you can wrap them in red and do whatever you want. But there's somebody that died on a cross and he gave the gift of his. Of his son, God, the son, he gave the gift of eternal life of whosoever will. The greatest gift was given on a tree. And he bore your sin on that tree. And he kept the law because you couldn't. He was made a curse under the law. Because if you were bound under the law, you're cursed, you're doomed, you're condemned. Christ became a curse for you. And for me, 
And as a result of that, as born again Christians, that curse will never ever fall on us. But if you are not a Christian, if you are not a Christ one, if you have not been born again, then you're cursed, you're condemned, and God will drop you into hell and not bat an eye at you. Because he's righteous and he is holy. And he will have no defilement in his heaven. And when you die, like we said this morning, when you die and you don't have Christ as your sacrifice, who bore the curse of the law and was made a curse for you on a tree, if you don't have him as your advocate, there's no redos. You're not going to be able to say, God, give me one more chance. And if I had another day, I'd trust you. Too bad. You're literally toast. Keep reading. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. As Christians, if you're born again, you have abundant, not only are you redeemed, but you have abundant blessings now and in the future. You have so many blessings that you can't even count them all, even though we can sing, count your blessings. But if you don't, you have no blessings. You only have cursings. And that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. If you've not trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, There's only one way to God, and it's through faith in Jesus Christ. And if you disregard that, and you think that you and God are good because you've kept some of the law or 100% of the laws that you've chosen to keep, that you're okay at keeping, you're done. You want to pick the Ten Commandments and say, well, this one, and you want to key in, well, I've kept this one not going to work. You've got to come to God the same way we all do, through faith in Jesus Christ. He's the one that kept the law, became a curse under the law, and bore that curse on a tree so that you and I can be redeemed. And praise God that he did it because not a one of us would be able to keep what we needed to keep. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.